How's uh, lockdown? You've just gone into tier three, haven't you? Well, yeah, Liverpool is. I'm still at home, actually. No, no, Wa- Warrington's Wa- going to tier three. Yeah, that goes in as of midnight tonight. Are you? Have you got to get there, then? I've got to go over there now, yeah. Basically, get ready, do this, and then I'll, I'll tootle on over and, you know, dodge the snipers and the, uh, the stingers and all of that. But how will you get back to Liverpool next week? Because surely, like you said, the police will take you out near Ikea. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna come at yeah, with, with M16s made out of MDF. Um, <laughs> they're going to call him... We, we, we've shot him with the Spugel. That's the name of the... That's what they call the guns. <laughs> oh, man. It's uh, available, 9 From B&M? Yeah, and uh, yeah, with bullets made out of meatballs. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, but it's, that's the, the only way that some people will get food. Kids, kids will be marauding down the M62. Shoot me, Marcus! Shoot me with your meatballs! Just, I'm just writing that down. Shoot me meat, your yeah. meatballs, Marcus. <laughs> That's the title sorted for uh, this episode. Your <clears throat> meatballs. Marcus. Marcus. Yes, Mar- Marcus Tandy. Or as uh, Hat Mancock calls him, Daniel Rashford. Oh, well, I mean, he actually, no, he got his name right. He was on the telly this morning. He was sent out to, uh, I mean, amazing levels. I mean, the, the irony meter just can't deal with this. It's gone off off the scale because he went on television to espouse the government's standards about hospital food. I mean, <laughs> is it, I, so, I could be corrected on this, and, and please do at Top Content Pod. Don't they spend more on prisoners' meals than they do on hospital meals and uh, school kids' meals? I know it's sheer pence, but they spend more on prisoners than they do on kids and patients. Yeah, but don't forget, of course, in prisons. The prisoners cook the food themselves. Oh, so does that cost money, like wages? That would cost them wages, but, I mean, obviously, in terms of the overall cost, I would guess, and this is purely surmising from the time I spent employed in a prison, before anybody gets any ideas, that, obviously, it's it's the inmates that do a lot of work, whether it be painting, whether it be working in workshops, laundry, so on and so forth. And the same, I imagine, would apply to... Um, cooking the food as well. Yeah, but then why um, why does it cost a prisoner's meal to be more, even when the prisoners are being paid to cook it, than it does for, say, chefs in a hospital? Because no, I, I know you don't have to check for, like, large chisels in cakes in yeah. hospitals, because why you do don't. you need a chisel in a hospital? You don't, yeah. Uh, unless you're ooh, there ooh. because of the chisel. Oh, um, that eating mess has come with a nice nice scalpel in it. I yeah. wasn't expecting that. You know, that, well, I, I, I don't know whether that means that because they because the cost of the staff is lower to for cooking them in prisons, I it, based on the fact that the prisoners cook the food, that therefore they can spend more on the food, and because uh, therefore they don't have to do that in in prisons. Uh, sorry, in hospitals because they've got to pay for the staff as well. Also, I would hazard a guess, knowing what from my experience of working within that that arena, that they're more worried about getting sued by prisoners, comp claims and stuff, because they have, they're have malnourished or what have you, than they are about... A patient prisoners. or a kid. This is, I'm pure, this is purely guesswork. I, I, I genuinely, without a hint of sarcasm, yeah. this is genuinely guesswork. But on that level then, and, and taking Tory logic to its limits, which they seem to be doing on a daily basis... That- that's not far then, no, is it really? We should make kids cook their own school meals because then you can mix that with home ec. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they've got they've, if they go on forage for the food themselves, 
which I've genuinely seen people advocating. Well, why, why is there such an issue? I go foraging for food. It's like, right. The very idea that you're, you know, suggesting that as a concept in 2020, that there should be a necessity to go foraging for food is in, you know, one of the G7 is just shows where, where, where we're at. But well, I, no, I, I, mean, I think what you'll find, uh, Michael, is that children or patients who are in hospital and fearing of their lives don't understand the concept of unami. And without that quintessential taste bud explosion of brilliance from unami, then uh, how should poor people even have nice food if they cannot appreciate umami? I don't know what it's called. Unami or unani. I don't know. Is that the thing that Ross went on about in Friends? Yeah. Ah, that's unagi. Yeah. So what's so what's unami? Is it? uh, It's it's the other taste. So it's not short salt. It's not sweet. It's not sour. All right. It's unami. Umani. Unami. I think it's unami. It's it. It's basically mushroom. Oh, okay. So created by that great Epicurean tsunami. Is that is that where that came from? <laughs> and don't forget, if you like the sounds of James Dean Bradfield and his hit record, Ooh, Tsunami. Tsunami, did you song called Tsunami? Adventures in Rock and Roll, another podcast. Listen to Spotify Premium. It's amazing. Um, that is cross-promotion on another level. Yeah. I know. No. Synergy. That's, that's synergy. Synergy. Brand Synergy. Brand Synergy. Yeah. So um, Matt Hancock on telly this morning. Hat Hancock. I didn't. I didn't see it. I just picked it up afterwards when I when I woke up and checked Twitter this morning and said and saw a tweet from somebody, a very amusing journalist by the name of Tom Peck, and said if this interview goes on much longer, I'm going to have to hide under the carpet. And I thought, okay, <laughs> and I, this is about eight fifteen this morning. So I thought he must be on the Today program on Radio Four. So I thought let's just start looking for a quick pricey of what he's talking about. Oh, and then the, he'd obviously been sent out as the sacrificial lamb. And I mean, it is, it's like they have a sort of like a, some sort of ceremony where they're going to sacrifice every night. Dominic Cummings sits there in Whitehall and he, they, they work out who is going to be the sacrificial lamb the next morning. It's like the world's worst game of spin the bottle. It's like that bit in Austin Powers where Dr. Evil's at the head of his boardroom table. And yes. every time he presses a button... The chair moves, and then the henchman or nerdwell yeah. gets put into a pit. However, it's Dominic Cummings at the head of the table, and when he yes. presses the button, they land in a really awful seat in New Broadcasting House. Yeah, like well, exactly the same. Yes, the same thing as Inspector, where Christoph Waltz sits there. Oh, that's Michael. a fucking awful film. <laughs> But then what happens is that Dave Batista comes in and just basically pulls one of the cabinet members. It's either Jenrick or Shaps or <laughs> Oliver Dowden and just hauls them into a into a media, uh, you know, a, 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 an out room for, for somewhere in da- somewhere in Downing Street. And then they they, they, they give it's like giving some media training. And then you're doing Sky BBC Breakfast. Uh, you're not doing Good Morning Britain because we don't like them. And Sky News in the morning and Radio Four. And then you're doing all of them. And then you're just going to be pilloried for the rest of the day then we'll put you back in a darkened room somewhere so you don't have to deal with all the fallout and see your name burned in effigy for the rest of the day for one second there my mind didn't work quick enough and i'm thinking who was generic inspector <laughs> and then and then i realized he can't build a house to save his f-ing life i was gonna say no he was the one that approved of one of the other one's plans 
And then the other one approved of his plans. And then in the end, Christoph Waltz just binned them off both, binned both of them off. So basically, like uh, mutual oral sex. Yeah, very much like that. Yeah. Which, which, but, I, which but, I, but on expenses. I found out that Watermelon Sugar Smile is about mutual oral sex, uh, which makes me love Harry Styles even more. I think I think I might be turning by. Oh, is that Watermelon Sugar? Watermelon Sugar Smile is about both giving and receiving oral sex. Basically, oral sex Christmas. You both give and you receive, and then you sit down afterwards and get drunk. Right. Okay. Okay. He was good in Dunkirk. Well, I mean, he's still extremely popular. Uh, did I tell you the story when I went to New York last year that we were doing the t- all the touristy bits and we'd just been to Top of the Rock, I think, and we walked around onto the Avenue of the Americas, so that's 6th Avenue in New York, to find outside the entrance to the NBC Studios, which is 30 Rock, that there were loads and loads of railings. And this is this is an incredibly cold. This was a freezing cold day in New York. And there were just hordes of teenage girls lying in sleeping bags. My first thought was, oh, is there some sort of protest going on? And then only when I got to the end of the line, which ran for an entire block, I, I discovered that actually the reason that they were there was because Harry Styles was due to present Saturday Night Live that week and they were desperate to see him. The, the clue the clue is in the name, Saturday Night Live. No, but they're this there every Wednesday day. Lunchtime. They're there yeah. every day. It was just, it was, it was mad. That was just, I mean, just... You could have f***ing saved that for Adventures in Rock and Roll. That would have been... I could have done, couldn't I? We'll redo that for Adventures in Rock and Roll. We'll do that. I'll embellish on Um, it somewhere. Talking about um, Saturday Night Live, have you seen Saturdays? No, I don't watch it. I just... No, I know Adele was on it and... Adele was rather good. Uh, So I've heard, so I've Uh, read, yeah, yeah, but I... I I don't want to get into body shaming and stuff, but you look better with a pie in your love. However, the best thing about it was Weekend Updates... You know, with oh, okay. uh, Colin Jost and uh, Michael Che. Michael Che, yeah. They did They did the village people, as we've been talking about, I think, for weeks now, Donald Trump dancing to the village people, which he seemingly does at every rally now, because, hey, why not it's just become keep a going thing. with it? And it was the funniest thing on SNL in about 15 years. Oh, okay. Well, I might it, have to it, make an exception and it, watch it. It, it was Keenan Thompson. Perfect. Okay. God, all this from uh, Bad, uh, bad Bond Guys Jenrick. Yeah, but I mean, saying it's all very well, you know, Adele should you think she should have should eat a pie. But again, if she was here, then I mean, really, actually, Adele is reflecting the narrative of you know, <laughs> by by losing a lot of weight and not eat, seemingly not eating very much. Then that's what she's reflecting the current state of some children in uh, in society. Kids of the so, UK, follow Adele's lead. Stop fucking eating. Yeah. How dare you have parents who are poor and have possibly lost their job in the pandemic? How dare you then not be able to sustain enough energy during the day to even stay awake? How dare you, children? How dare you be born from womb or cesarean? You fucking wasters. None of you are Tories, are you, kids? None of you. You're all scum. But, you know, one of the most prominent Brexiters and... I'm guessing on the basis that he might well be a Tory as well, just an assumption, is Roger Daltrey of The Who. Now, you would have thought that then they'd have a tendency to listen to high-profile people that have backed the government's position and, and, and the vote leave sort of conversation. And you would have thought that they'd actually listen to him and when he did the song, obviously, The Kids Are All Right, but he hasn't. So, Well, he Roger Daltrey was on the Stand Up To Cancer Gogglebox special. 
last Friday, yeah. watching yeah. telly with John Bishop, which makes me question everything. Uh, and they were hardly in the episode because they didn't say anything interesting until it came up to the, <laughs> the fact that they showed this poor girl who had been blighted with cancer twice in her uh, little lifetime and she'd been undergoing treatment for seven whole years. And that's when Roger Dolce said something like, that's awful. Roger, does that mean the Teenage Cancer Trust isn't there to make money to help teenage kids on cancer wards, which are normally either adult or children, they're, they're never for teenagers. Is it just to give teenagers cancer, to get them out of this sorry fuck hole that Boris and his Brexiteers have got us into, and to some extent, Roger, you? Is, is that well, what it is? Is that Give the cancer's teenager, they're probably only going to be Labour voters once they get to the age of 18. Really? Well, maybe they're playing the long game here and actually thinking, well, if we get them all these kids... With cancer, we give that. Uh, then we get them into hospital. At least they're going to get a good meal. So that's. <laughs> oh, there's. Um, but, uh, what, what, but what's great about this? What's great about this is the fact that they've launched this initiative, and one of the sorts of standard bearers for this is Prue Leaf, which apparently you can find if you go foraging in the woods as well. Oh, I've just found a Prue Leaf. And she has apparently announced and completely disassociated herself from the Conservatives because they won't back, obviously, have, have, have reneged on this line in the sand about maintaining food standards in any future trade deals that we've had, you know, under under our membership of the EU. And she's now decided that, that is now I'm not I don't want any part of this anymore. So she's moved away from the Conservatives on the day that they've announced this great initiative of which she is one of the celebrity advocates of. So first, they didn't come for the communists because I was not a communist. Then they came for the unionists, but I was not a unionist. Now they come for food standards. Oh, bollocks, now I'm speaking up. For f- this, is the, this, this, is the, this is the problem that we've got in the entirety of society, whether that be in the US, the UK, or all across the world now, where no matter how benevolent or dictatorship-like your government is, people are against them. When you see protests in Germany of people not wearing masks, going, this is all a hoax, and when things happen, it's just, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Love Stipe. Um... (laughs) Yeah, this I mean, is... you can't even get a can of Orange Crush now. I mean, we're so short. Yes! Timings! Oh. Oh. Yeah. F*** Peter Buck. <laughs> but, you know. So, what happens then on the Great British Bake Off? Maybe all the things that everybody bakes then will go towards Mancunian school children who are so poor they have no school meals. Marcus Rashford is now serving uh, kids in Rush Home that Freddie Mercury cake from episode one of the new <laughs> season. And all the kids are going, no, you're all right, I'll starve. That cake looks shit. Well, I haven't, I mean, I haven't watched any of the Bake Off this year. I think I did watch it last year. Oh, it's been wonderful. And... But maybe, maybe Paul Hollywood could go around poor neighbourhoods and give people handshakes rather than yeah. feeding them food because... To be honest, a Paul Hollywood handshake is is absolutely priceless. 
Well, it is. I mean, but surely he could sneak, you know, like a, a cookie or something in there, or just a bit of a bit of sourdough bread. You know, that's that's the dream. <laughs> oh, and I can't believe after the snore draw of Man United Chelsea, Rashford then the next day is out with his mum, fully decked in PPE, handing out lunch boxes to kids. That is a damning indictment upon everyone. Mancock, Dominic Raab, Pretty Patel, Dan Dan, the kitchen man, Boris the Russian agent, and Dominic Cummings, especially. I know there's always a little bit of a news call, a media press call with these type of things, but I don't think Marcus Rashford is doing it for that reason. I think it's really annoying that an England and Manchester United striker has to do this rather than even local education authorities. It is a damning indictment upon every little f***ing Mandarin at a local, regional and national government level that he's doing this. And nobody stood up. The fact that almost all Tory MPs voted against bringing in those free school meals, almost all. There was a few uh, abstainers and a few people that voted against their own government. But, oh, my God, I I live in Trump's America. Mm. He's up for re-election in a matter of days. It's still too close to call, I think. I would rather live here than back in the UK right now. The UK is done for. And I really I really I really wish I didn't have to say that and I really don't mm. want to believe it, but I don't know there's there's a point of redemption for America and there's a hope of redemption in just a few days time. But then the hard work starts. I think it's beyond that in the UK. I really do. I think it's the game's gone. It's it's <laughs> it's it's not a good place to be. No, it's not. It, it, honestly, it is. It's just relentlessly awful, it, and it has been for just, quite some just, time. Just now. when you think it couldn't get worse in the UK, it gets inconceivably worse every single day. Yeah. As you, you quite rightly said that. I think it's very, very easy, and we're almost now conditioned to it because it's been such a, an incredibly negative a sort of never-ending news cycle for, let's say, best part of 20 years with probably since 9-11 and everything that followed on from that but with these occasional sort of chinks of light in them. And I, I genuinely thought before we started recording, I thought, you know, oh, well, clocks went back yesterday. And I thought, well, I would actually like to turn them back to 2012. We had that brief window when the Olympics was on when actually even though the run-up to it had just been another catalogue of private sector, public sector marriages that had completely failed and things were massively over budget. But then it also, when it started, it was brilliant. It, for a few weeks, we had the opening ceremony and it was great. And we remembered what all the great things that we do in this country. And then we had the actual sport itself. And that was fantastic. Super Saturday um, is, super, is in well, my head. Well, I never saw it. Because that was the day my brother and sister-in-law got married, so I missed the entire thing of Super Saturday. Missed all of it. Damn you, Simon! You so I didn't. Selfish bastard. Yes, disgrace. But we had so we had all of that, and then of course the the following week you got married. Yeah, I remember because I was there, and uh, I was and then as we well. had you were there, you were there as well. I remember it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, when, when we did tequila, off, off, <laughs> no. I, di- I didn't get invited to that bit. No, neither did I. Um, and then 
Andy Murray won the US Open a couple of weeks after that, and then it was just this, and we had this brilliant for for a while, and then remind me. Well, he was like really pleased and and that, and went off for a very nice glass of Ribena, and then you know just um, he had to nip down to John Menzies because he'd run out of paper clips. Um, so that's that was that was great, great day. Is it John Menzies or John Mingus? I think it's John Mingus. John, it might be John Mingus. Yeah, yeah I think it's sorry John Mingus. about that. But then they ran out, so he had to go to W. H. Smiths. But so. well, on, um, on a tangent, Andy, but, but, Andy Murray is a good example of being of something great being born out of tragedy because he was in the school. Yes, the day of course. Yeah. Thomas Hamilton walked into Dunblane Primary School with a, a handgun. Handguns got banned yeah. after that. Yeah, and and things can be born well out of tragedy. The 2012 Olympics, the day that it was announced Britain had been given the Olympics and there was Ken Livingstone yes. and Tasha Dowell and David Beckham, the day after was 7-7. It was. Um, good things can be born out of horrific tragedies. There is there is a synergy to, because to bring that whole sort of this never-ending news cycle to an end, so then we've had Brexit and all, we had the, build, the Scottish referendum and that was divisive. Then we had, the, um, we had Brexit, that's been divisive. And everything that's happened since has become more and more divisive. And Marcus Rashford is, is an example of that. And, I, you know, I don't want to be cynical about it because I absolutely agree with you. It's very easy to be cynical about it, but he's genuinely doing something that he thinks is and taking some social responsibility, even though yeah, footballers do have a social responsibility. They do as role models, but this, to, even to me, is beyond the responsibility that he should be having to take. That says that actually, you know, it's almost like, right, we can do this. Since lockdown, footballers got pilloried for not, uh, you know, having to cut their salaries and so on and so forth and all the rest of it. Yet a lot of them have, a lot of them donated money. They're being every week, they're not allowing, you know, Black Lives Matter to, to sort of that to disappear because they're continuing to take the knee and keep it there in our faces every single week. And that's important to keep the, the narrative there, keep the conversation going. And then he does this. And that to me is one sort of small chink of light in an otherwise pretty miserable United Kingdom right now. Marcus Rashford is the beacon of hope. Still didn't get any bloody fantasy points, though, did he, on Saturday? <laughs> it's good to say from Mendy, to be fair. Thank you for listening to another episode of Top Content. If you would like to rate and review us, please do that, and then it skews with the algorithms of the internet and makes us all popular and stuff. Yeah, we're screwing up the system. Or rather, you are on our behalf. We're just asking you to do it. Uh, you can find us on social media as well, and you can screw up their systems by you know, following us and stuff and saying hello. On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, you will find us at Top Content Pod. And Top Content has been a Top Content production. Yes, it has. Mm-hmm.